Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. It's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, your best friend. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We are on our summer schedule, which means we're making a show whenever we feel like it, sometimes twice a month. Sometimes every day, you never know. So please subscribe to the podcast and you'll get the episodes as they come out. In the fall, we'll get back into our regular routine again. But it's so nice out all the time. I, I hate being behind my computer, so editing is slow. Uh, today on the podcast, we're super excited about this. We have a really good show for you today. Uh, Fish Nerds essayist, Tim Beat, our newest uh, essayist, I think our only one, uh, is here with another essay that will be ignored by the Pulitzer community uh, fish nerds almost never get the respect they need, uh, but we still want you to send us free stuff because we are fish, fishy influencers, fish influencers. I think that's the thing. Uh, the crappy hippie is here with the pond lady. They're going to chat about pond maintenance, and today's topic will be fin rot. Uh, so that'll be really gross. Can't wait to hear about that one. Uh, I also make a visit to Berlin, New Hampshire, and I chat with Jonathan Bergey. Bergeron, uh, and get the uh, lowdown on what it's like to open up a tiny little fishing shop in the middle of nowhere. So I can't wait to hear about that. And we have the news, and we're going to talk about next week's show, which is kind of a big deal. I think we're going to open with that because we're really excited about that uh, show next week, and I think you will be too. Next week, uh, our effing librarian, Jeff Danielson, our Fish Nerds Chief Science Correspondent, Doc Martin, and I will be interviewing... Uh, interviewing an author next week, Lulu Miller, who wrote the book Why Fish Don't Exist. And if you think you know her name, you probably do. She is the founder of the Invisibilia podcast. You might have heard her on Radiolab. Uh, and so we're, we're pretty thrilled to be able to interview her next week. The book is called Why Fish Don't Exist. Uh, you can buy it anywhere you get your books. Uh, you should read it. If you can get us <laughs> your questions before Monday, the 13th of July, 2020, uh, I will make sure that we ask Lulu those questions. In the meantime, you should totally read the book to prepare yourself for that. So without further ado, here is the Fish Nerds podcast, and we're going to open up with Tim Beat. <laughs> A few years ago, I hiked a path a mile downstream to one of the better pools on a local river. The river opens up at the pool, but before that, it's difficult to see very far ahead of you. Now and then I'd meet somebody else fishing there, but this day I was surprised to turn the bend and see a guy balancing a bottle of bourbon on the trunk of a dead tree at the side of the river. My first thought was the guy was at the end of a three-day bender, but then I noticed the bottle was full and that he had several other full bottles of bourbon, as well as a few glasses. He was turning the bottle back and forth, and said something about waiting for the sun to be in the right position. I mumbled hello, not wanting to interrupt, and I left him to his, um, well, well, I just left him, and I went to fish the pool. After an hour with no luck, I packed up to walk the trail out, and noticed that he had a camera bag, and was packing up too. So we walked out together. Come to find out, his name was Matthew Evans, and he was a rather famous photographer 
and social media influencer, a bourbon social media influencer. Well, I'd heard of bourbon barrels and bourbon flasks and even bourbon decanters, but I'd never heard of a bourbon social media influencer. Matthew ran the Whiskey Consensus Facebook and Instagram pages and had a website with reviews and recipes and even a glossary of bourbon definitions, such as the word thief, which in bourbon circles is a tubular instrument for removing a whiskey sample from a barrel and not the guy who stole your fishing rods from the back of your pickup truck. But Matthew really took pride in taking majestic photos of bourbon bottles, often in beautiful outdoor scenes. I later found the photos he had taken that day on Instagram. The guy is an artist, and he had nearly 60,000 followers on Instagram. I guess as many people like to drink bourbon as like to fish, and I suspect there's a hefty overlap between the two groups. When you're a writer like me, there are some tools of the trade that are required to consistently knock out Pulitzer Prize quality essays like this one. On my desk, I have my computer, a dictionary, a fly tying vice I converted into a microphone stand, and a bourbon bottle, which unfortunately at this time is empty because, well, I just finished it. Why the bourbon bottle on my desk? As you know, it's important to properly lubricate your fishing reels now and then. It's also important to properly lubricate the fishing writer now and then. I believe in proper maintenance, and bourbon happens to be an excellent lubricant. Anyway, I asked Matthew if he got paid to be a bourbon social media influencer, and he said not really, but that he'd had the opportunity to tour many fine distilleries and was often asked to review products. You mean you review bourbon, I asked? Yes, he replied. And do distilleries sometimes give you samples to review, I continued, the wheels turning in my head? Yes, he replied again. Wow, I thought. Free bourbon samples. Hmm. The Fish Nerds podcast has somewhere between 2,500 and 25 million listeners per episode, and it's a highly intelligent and affluent audience. At least there must be a few intelligent and affluent listeners out there. And if Matthew could get free bourbon samples, why couldn't I get free fishing gear for mentioning products? In full disclosure, Matthew said he loves bourbon and has a passion for it, which is how he started, and that the product samples only came much later after he had a long track record on social media and had become regarded as a national authority on bourbon. On the other hand, I have a passion for fishing, and there's no time like the present, so while I was going to tell you the story of the first fish I ever caught, I've changed my mind and will now share a story of when I was fishing in my bass boat, a brand new Tracker Pro Team 195 TXW Tournament Edition with 115 Pro XS four-stroke engine and trailer. As I stepped into the boat, the sun was glinting off the Dew Lowrance Hook 5 Combo Swivel Color Fish Finders and the 24-volt Minkota Trolling Line. One hour later. So I sat down in one of the two movable folding fishing seats with bow and aft deck seat bases and thought about which rod to use. But I couldn't decide whether to use my Bass Pro Shops Johnny Morris Carbon Light 2.0 Baitcast Rod and Reel Combo with 20-pound Power Pro Braided Spectra Fiber Microfilament Line or my Orvis Helios 3D 7-weight 9-foot Fly Rod with matching Orvis Hydros reel filled with Hydros Bankshot Intermediate Sink Tip line. It's difficult to compare two such high-quality fishing combos. 
two hours later. But I digress. While pondering the choice between the two rods, I reached into my Yeti Tundra 35 hard cooler. Admiring its three inches of permafrost insulation and rugged roto-molded construction, and pulled out a refreshing bottle of Diet Coke. Or perhaps it was Diet Pepsi. Or Red Bull. Or Gatorade, depending on which company is listening to this story. After a long pull from the bottle of, insert your beverage name here, I decided on the Bass Pro Shop's Johnny Morris Carbon Light 2.0 Baitcast Rod and Reel Combo, because... Really, what are the chances of Orvis sending me any gear anyway? So I picked up the 7-foot medium action rod with 8.3 to 1 gear ratio and 14-pound max drag and 10-ball bearing. Six and a half hours later. But the real question was, should I cast a Mr. Twister mag 12-inch buzzworm in green pumpkin on a Mr. Twister red keeper worm hook, or should I cast a Strike King Pro Model 5XD crankbait in chrome blue? That's the kind of question that keeps me up at night. One eternity later. The water erupted as the monster bass felt me set the hook and came out from under the lily pads. It took 15 minutes to get it in the boat, which, as you recall, was a Tracker Pro Team 195 TXW Tournament Edition with a 115 Pro XS four-stroke engine. And if it weren't for the Bass Pro Shop's Johnny Morris Carbon Light 2.0 Baitcast Rod and Reel Combo, the Strike King Pro Model 5XD Crankbait in Chrome Blue, the Yeti Tundra 35 Hard Cooler, and bottle of Diet Coke, or perhaps some other drink, I never would have caught that fish of a lifetime. And I have all those great products to thank for my victory. Okay, okay, I have to confess. I don't actually own any of those products in real life. Except maybe the Diet Coke. Hold on a second and I'll check. Nope, I don't even have a Diet Coke in the fridge. But I could own all those products if I was a fishing social media influencer and companies would send me gear for free. I guess I'll have to stick to the free toothbrush I get when I go to the dentist. He gives me one every time, and I'm not even a dental social media influencer, although I do floss regularly. But I have decided to put a shot glass in my tackle bag. If I see Matthew on the river again... I'm sure he can share a few ounces of his free bourbon with me. And if the Woodford Reserve Distillery is listening, let me say again that the bottle on my desk is empty. And in the interest of future journalistic quality, I need to refill it. Thank you, Tim. Enlightening as always. Please take it easy on that on that whiskey. But we'll make sure we tag up all those companies. Maybe one of them will send you something free. If not, maybe I'll just give you your hat I owe you. Uh, <laughs> coming up now, we're going to jump right into the crappy hippie with the pond lady. And they're going to ch- chat all about pond maintenance. And today's topic will be fin rot. So totally gross. You'll like that. You can find the pond lady at robesonwildlife.com. And you can find the crappy hippie at crappyhippie.com. And you can find his glass water lures there. He makes lead-free lures. He's got a lead-free crusader, which is why one reason I like him a lot. Um, among many reasons. There's a lot. John, come on, take it easy. I like you for a lot of reasons, not just your lead-free lures. Uh, but anyway, here is here is uh, here you go. <laughs> Hello, Fish Nerd Nation. This is Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, and we have a new segment for you tonight called Pond Talk. 
For our first episode, we're going to talk about something that's going on in my pond right now. I got a case of columnaris going on, which is Cecil Taxonomous fancy name would tell you is the fancy name for fin rot. So I got together with the pond lady and we talk about a few things you can do if this strikes. Fin rot's a fairly common thing in aquariums and so forth, but treating in a pond is altogether different. And we're going to talk about it here tonight on Pond Talk. Hello, Fish Nerd Nation. This is Amy, the Pond Lady, welcoming you to Pond Talk. It's a segment where we investigate the joys and challenges of managing ponds and other small bodies of water. So whether you own a property with a pond on it, have some say as to how a community lake, pond, or stream is utilized, or simply share the dream of having a little bit of water to call your own, you're going to want to join John King, the crappie hippie, and me, freshwater ecologist Amy Robinson, the Pond Lady, for some Pond Talk tonight on Fish Nerds Podcast. Sounds like you had a little issue recently. Did you actually yes. lose some people or did you just see signs of illness, I guess? Well, um, clarify, I've got columnaris, which is fin rot. And it's, I think, I mean, this is what the pond lady and I have, have come up with. Um, and it's been almost three weeks now. I walk down and I see this poor bluegill in the shallow, uh, in the shallows. Mm-hmm. and I can tell. Is he on a nest, I guess? No, I just sitting there. I walk up and I can see, you know, kind of pulpy stuff on its tail and Aww. on the fin, of, you know, and I, I'm, oh dear, I was like, that fish in bad shape. And, you know, while I'm debating them, get a net, do this, do that. It just kind of glides off. Usually, if you walk up on, you know, you, you my pond, you start to walk down the shore, you'll see fish flush out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, and- they, they skedaddle. They, they're too used to herons and, and he's not doing that. No, have you, that have one, you did- I was like, oh my, if there's one, then I'm probably in trouble. And so here and there, not real common, but I'm catching bass and bluegill with either, you know, fin damage or um, I caught a bass the other day. It was kind of rashy around the gill plates, you know. Mm-hmm. And was- now, when I used to see it at the hatchery, we didn't necessarily have the, the, the symptomatic saddleback prevalent um you know we would just see like what you're seeing gill rot uh fungus just fish that were lethargic that would just be sick for long periods of of time and then finally stop eating and die you can you know there are obviously you know like in my text there's some things we could talk about to help with mitigation of some of this epizootic columnaris outbreaks you know so well, all right. So now you've, you've, you've lit up my brain with a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> um, you know, I'm wondering, uh, first of all, I see that when this strikes aquarium fish, you know, certain sorts of salts to the water mm-hmm. have a really positive effect. So I assume, you know, I'm asking you why you're changing the chemical composition of the water. But when you add the salts, uh, that would soften the water. When you talk about adding enough salt to be effective at killing a pathogen or a bacterial colonization, I just don't think that you would, you would, it just wouldn't be feasible on a pond size scale. Now, when you're taking a fish out of its pond and you're able to dip it one by one, you know, uh, it's a, it's a whole different scenario than a closed system on your property that you're not draining and, and, uh, 
dipping all your fish in salt. I mean, I think you would end up wasting money uh, and dumping a bunch of salt into your pond and not necessarily even doing that much to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll start tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let I, me know how long it takes when you start uh, changing the salinity of it by dumping salt in you, you let me yeah. know. It'll, it'll take a few years. So, so no, no 55 gallon drum of aquarium salts. Yeah, um, no, let's not start tampering around with the, the, the salt concentration. I think that's just a, a slippery slope for almost any kind of a pond scenario. When you start talking about trying to fix one problem by some magic bullet, there's, there, there's usually not. Almost all of these issues, to resolve them, you have to use a uh, use a combination of strategies. Okay, so I'm um, wondering. Uh, clearly, I should probably anyone I catch, I should keep. I suppose and get it out of there. Would that well, be um, I mean, what happens if they die? Does this bacteria or that we used to call it epizoti? Uh, that that spice in Mexican food. No, um, <laughs> but whatever the the thing you just said the the the. Uh, the the bad guy. What she said, crappy hippie, is epizootic, not epizote. Epizote is a lovely herb put in Latin cooking, especially in southern Mexico and South America. Epizootic means denoting or relating to a disease that is temporarily prevalent and widespread in an animal population. The noun form an outbreak of an epizootic disease. And this not only applies to your pond, crappie hippie, but the entire human race throughout the world right now because we are going through an episodic episode. An episodic episode so profound that the very air you breathe can introduce a microorganism into your lungs that you can spread to other people through irresponsible behavior. So wear your damn mask already! Wear it! Now, back to the lovely pond lady and a discussion of fin rot in Croppy Hippie's Pond. This has been Cecil, taxonomous fancy name. Uh, when this fish dies, does it become a brooding, um, uh, you know, where it's going to just explode and all this uh, um, microbial it, uh, gunk, you know, go I on? I think spread? a lot of that has to do very much with what else is going on in your pond, the species that are affected, their behavior, how dense they are in the pond. Um, also this is, this is from, from my experience, at least in Oklahoma, it's highly seasonal. So we'll see these little outbursts here and there, usually in the, the, the late winter, early spring. Oh, really? So okay. It is more of sort of a winter top. And now, like I said, in my experience, this is more of sort of a colder type issue itself. So, so that I guess is a long way of answering your question. Do I think it is a sign that these fish are going to go to the bottom and infect other fish. I mean, this is something that is very communicable. So it is possible that they could give it to another fish. However, if he's staying away and he's kind of keeping his distance, other fish might be like, Ooh, he's sick. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And they're healthy enough that they can just go on about their business. And he's the susceptible guy that was low man on the totem pole. But if, if you, and this is where, it comes in handy to have someone that has a scope. It's super easy to identify under a scope. 
and oh, really? you don't you don't really need uh, too high of power to be able to identify it. So um, there are lots of pictures available. In fact, I can probably find us some good resources if people are interested. If they're keeling one at a time, um, you know, our pond is very wildlife inhabited. How do I say it? It's, it's a it, wildlife you know, friendly. Wildlife friendly. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, I got a couple of buzzards that you know. I have this open, big, huge haydor in my barn that's that's uh, open, and uh, you know I got buzzards sitting on the barn. I got buzzards sitting in the barn. Uh, I've got coyotes running around the pond like crazy. And so, if a bluegill or a bass were to die, bloat, and float to the shore, it's not going to be there very long because yeah. something's going to get it and and, and eat it. Um, but I. Um, Back in the way back in the 90s, we had a lot of algae. We had a lot of vegetation. We had a lot of willow trees upon. We had to, just weren't getting to fish it much. And um, we did have it, you know, super heat up in the summer, I guess. And, and a lot of the algae died. And, and the, we had a huge fish kill. It was, it was awful. And um, that's a long story because my, my little niece comes out to fish and we go down there and it's disgusting. And of course, nothing <laughs> wants to bite because oh, the. No. the yeah, and the neighbor they lady was out terrible. and she said, uh, we, we picked up over 100 last night, just kept oh, filling no. buckets and buckets of them. And then, um, that's, a, that's, that's a legitimate fish kill. Yeah, serious, le- bad, bad adjustment. But it's, yeah. And it's amazing to me that these systems, you know, have the, have, you know, they have their ways of adjusting. We don't want it to be that destructive or that, that uh, radical. Right. Um, you know, um, you know, your pond is like your friend or your, I don't know. It's just something you want to take care of. And it's and, like a body. That's what, yeah. that's what we have started trying to, because, you know, there, there are a lot of our landowners that are like you that have been around pond systems for a lot of time. And they're much more familiar with what goes on in a pond and, and the sort of cycles that they go through. But if you're talking to some urban landowners that have never had a pond and now they have one because they moved into a development that has one. And, you know, a lot of these developments actually are built around ponds that are in existence. So they were there and probably cow ponds way before the developments even there. So when you start trying to teach people about these cycles and how these ponds work, we've started telling people, okay, let's, if you think about the pond, like a person, then the bottom of the pond is sort of like the guts of the pond, the microbiome, you know, we get, that's a big key, key word that you hear all over the media right now, because it's become such a big hot topic in human health. Now with all of these different types of like, you know, fecal transplants and things where they're trying to readjust the microbiome by introducing microbiome inhabitants from a healthy person, quote, healthy person. I mean, if you, if you're, if your ponds guts, the, the bottom of the pond um, gets out of whack. I mean, it's essentially like if a person has a long-term gut, disorder you know that's kind of how i like to describe it now i don't know how how analogous that actually would be but in terms that people can understand it that's the best way that i can really try to hone that in um so this this actually does segue into you know what can be done to keep fish kill events from 
whether it be columnaris or algae from happening again. If, especially if you've already had an event like that, those are the more immediate causes of concern. Those are the ponds that are much more concerning than the ones where you're just now starting to see a, you know, a springtime bloom that comes on and doesn't really go away as fast as it used to. So when you've had a fish kill event already, that sets off some alarm bells for me. And that says, okay, that, well, and, and it tells me a lot about the pond too. And I can almost immediately start ticking off some different features. Okay. I can tell you this pond's older. I can tell you this pond has probably not had a significant dam breach or some source of flood flow that has completely washed it clean. It hasn't probably been drained and dredged from all of the organic matter at the bottom. Um, no. <laughs> it, it, it probably does not have a source of air or running water. So now some people do have wells. But to summarize, because I've got a couple more things I want to talk about. My, my strategy, I guess, will be to thin the, thin the bass. Mm-hmm. Don't panic because this hasn't happened before. I'm not seeing you know, belly up fish all around. And outside of the one example where I saw the fish, you know, in the pond, I've I've only caught three fish out of say like 20 some. Yeah. It's like, John, well, you only catch four fish. That's that's a lot. You're going to get some crap if that's all you caught. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. Relax. (laughs) I've done a little better than that. Um, but, um, uh, and I'm not adverse to go ahead and keeping them, but yeah, that's all I need is to have a $20 microscope and be at, you know, aren't you done cleaning those fish yet? You know, like, no, I'm looking at, every I'm looking at them. Yeah. Them. yeah. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of just keep an eye on it then. Okay. Sorry to cut it off so abruptly right there, but, um, I'm telling you, Amy and I, we sat there for over two and a half hours talking, geeking out and all that. And I, just kind of picked and chose as we wandered away from the fin rod episode and talked about other things and told stories and then would come back to it. It took me a while to kind of gather all the pieces together, but I hope y'all enjoyed this first installment of Pond Talk, and I'm looking very much forward to bringing you more, and so is Amy. So that was our first episode on columnaris or fin rot, which happens to people, and we got into fish kills and so on, and we'll probably talk about different aspects of that another time. Uh, we do have some other shows in the can. We're going to do one on fish weeds, and we're going to do one on stocking, and we're going to do one on um, pond prep, fertility. I mean, we have all kinds of topics that we want to geek out on. Thank you for joining us tonight on Pond Talk. This has been Amy Robeson, our pond lady, with yours truly, crappie hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, saying tight lines and valentines. Peace out. It's time for Fish in the News, and as recently always, I am joined by Dave Kellum. Dave, how are you? I am doing just okay. Just okay. COVID yeah. keeping you down? Yeah, I figure I figure nobody can really say they're doing great anymore. I mean, that's kind of off the table, really. Yeah, true story.
Yeah. So uh, I'm fine with doing okay. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot better than a lot of folks. So that's all good. Well, you're on the right side of the water. So that's what, we, that's what matters here. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah so we got, we're going to each do a news story today. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. So uh, I was drawn to this headline Ooh. that says Francis signs to fish. Francis. A, Francis <laughs> to fish for Emmanuel College. To okay. fish for Emmanuel College. That's that was the story, and I was right. I was interested in that. Right. Well, headlines are are made for that. <laughs> exactly. Their, their only job. <laughs> <laughs> and the source for this was the Stokes News, mm-hmm. and the Stokes News was out of some place. I don't know Stokes. Don't really care. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Screw <laughs> you, Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's near Emmanuel College. Has to um, be, which is God only knows where. <laughs> but, you know, the story follows the typical format where it starts with this very personal discussion about how this kid has always been fishing at the age of 13, 14, decides to, you know, get serious and whatever. Every fish nerd probably listening has mm-hmm. has had a childhood obsessed with fishing, right? Right. Um, but then it goes, that experience led Francis to signing his national letter of intent to Emmanuel College located in Franklin Springs, Georgia. Well, now we know. I know. We and know. he is to become a member of the Lions bass fishing team. Ooh, because everyone knows that Lions are known for their fishing prowess. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. the legendary li- fishing Lions of Zimbabwe. That's right. They're especially, <laughs> their claws, like for evolution, this is science. Oh, but, of course. I'm, I'm going to go on some science for you. Their claws Thanks. have evolved with barbs. Just for fishing. <laughs> and the, the native Zimbabweans, uh, as we call them, yeah. uh, used to harvest the claws of lions for fish hooks. Oh, that's yeah. very interesting. Up until 1872, when commercial available fish hooks became uh, around, you know, when the first tackle shop opened in Zimbabwe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, and this is true. His name was Steve Smith. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a classic Zimbabwe name. <laughs> Steve Smith's, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lion Claws hooks. That's yeah. right. Very Lion good. Claws, you're right. You named the company. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emmanuel College with okay. their with their Lions fishing team. Mm-hmm. What is interesting, and what what got me thinking about this was that uh, it says here that there are many there are many fishing clubs. It says. Uh, or fishing team. So Emmanuel just finished up its first season of having a team with 12 fishermen, all freshmen from Georgia and South Carolina under coach Pam Martin Wells. So no varsity team here. No varsity team. Yeah, yeah really. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to dominate, right? For the next right. four years. And I know you're a huge fan of sports, Clay. I, I do like the sports balls. And by the way, I'm, to be honest, Dave, I'm, I've learned recently why we need sports. Mm. I'm going to tell you why. Please. Because I am watching on the news, on Facebook, I'm watching people fighting over wearing masks. (laughs) We need people fighting between the Yankees and Red Sox again (laughs) because they have nothing to fight for. So they're picking these fights over masks because they don't know what to do with themselves. The sports energy is pent up in them. And if we can get sports back, we can wear masks again and get healthy and stop this nonsense. So we need sports badly. Well, all right. So let's let's have a fish nerd solution. You and all I right. putting our brains together. All right. Help help figure out a competitive mask event. Oh. 
Well, see, so I, I, well, if it was competitive, mm-hmm. we'd all wear them. Mm-hmm. You know, if if there was a census going on, they were saying, okay, each state wears masks. Yeah, the state that wears the most masks gets the most virus relief funds. <laughs> so, oh, I like that. So if you don't mask up, you're screwed. And so, like, you want these funds? You want to continue? The, you know, and it won't change the amount of money being given. So, so that way, if you like, don't believe in the money being spent, you believe in it being spent in your state more than somebody else's. <laughs> right. So the right. money's going to come no matter what. It just might not go to your state because you won't wear a mask. So the states with the highest percentage of mask wearing during random sampling of the population gets the yeah. highest percentage of relief funds. I I like I like that sort of direct feedback because yeah. you know that a lot of the re, um, the relief funds, especially with the airlines, they mm-hmm. said, "Hey, we'll give you money, but don't pull no shady stuff by like canceling a bunch of flights. Like right. you, you you gotta maintain. You can't cheat mm-hmm. and basically close your business and then yeah. still take the money." Well, the trick would be don't give it to the co- companies at all. No company gets the money; only people get it. So right. Your state, you could get up to $10,000 per person or as low as nothing. Right. Not a mask. <laughs> like, it's simple. <laughs> All right. So, so, so each state would have it. Like, it would be like the New Hampshire Granite Staters mask. Right. And team, we would put yeah. a wall up and that way no one would come in our state. We have, we have such low virus numbers and we can like, <laughs> right. And, and, oh, get bonus points if your numbers go down. Like, oh, if, if you yeah. shows and do it by percentage of population. So that way it's fair. So like. Higher population states can't do raw data. You don't have to buy percentage. All right. All right. Yeah. So that, that's your idea. I get yeah. that. All right. I, I, my idea, my pitch mm-hmm. is a cross between a Japanese game show and Project Runway. Okay. All right. Yours is more fun already. <laughs> so imagine a show with 12 contestants. Yeah. And uh, what they do is you build a mask, mm-hmm. right? And they follow it through and, you know, the, the like well-dressed. The building a mask. <laughs> do exactly. they give you a box of like random stuff to make the yeah. mask out of? Like just shake it out on the desk and there's like a turnip and a screwdriver, a couple of paper clips, rubber bands. You got to build a mask. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's the drama of it all. So you finally cobble this mask together. Uh-huh. And then the game show component, you get somebody with COVID. Mm-hmm. And you put him in the middle. <laughs> Yay, COVID man. <laughs> and contestants. Poor guy's like up. sweating and coughing. <laughs> okay, I'm here. <laughs> and contestants walk up to him and the person sneezes in their face. The COVID guy does. Yes. And the person wearing the mask mm-hmm. and the winner doesn't get COVID. Wow, it's sort of a Hunger Games vibe too. Yeah, it sounds terrible. <laughs> But, you know, you could imagine the way our country is, you know, there'd be some some great leader in this, you know. I would like watch it, though. Dwayne the Rock Mask Maker or something. Oh, yeah, you'd have to have a good and, name and like that. You're like, Rowdy, Rowdy Mask Man. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember yeah. the, uh, the, the drone wars where they would have robot battles? Oh, I loved that. Right. And, they, you yeah. know, you build robots with flamethrowers and stuff and mm-hmm. they would battle. Yeah. It, you know, imagine that. And it's, you know, these real world consequences. Only these people sneezing on each other. It's a really slow yes. game. We'll find yes. out in two weeks who won. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, suspense. Yeah, it really builds. Well, you check in with them every yeah. day. How are you doing? I'm fine. You're like, oh, did you win? I'm like, I don't know. I might be, I, 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 maybe I'm asymptomatic. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. But it's all, all I can tell you is my wife won't it. talk to me anymore. I'm in the basement for two weeks. 
<laughs> I'm eating gruel. <laughs> we can spin it. We can make it work. Yeah, I'm in. Um, so anyway, back back to the fish connection. Oh, we're talking about fish. I yeah, <laughs> I know this. This we've. I'm sure we've uh, lost many people by now. But no, um, our our people love us, Dave. <laughs> all right, more than 600 colleges, according to the story, have bass fishing teams. But Emmanuel is one of the few schools that offer athletic scholarships for team members. Wow, who sponsors it? I, I assume it's, you know, universities and colleges, they have athletic funds. And I don't know if you have to pay to go see a bass fishing tournament or would you? What. No. <laughs> no, I can't think of anything more boring. I, it's, <laughs> like, I mean, like I, like, I love fishing, Dave. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I can't watch bass fishing tournaments on TV. Like, I hate them. I don't, I don't understand it at all. Like, any, by the way, I feel this way about every sport. As soon as fishing becomes a competitive sport, I lose interest entirely. So athletic scholarships, you know, and, and ramping up the, the majesty of fishing, I think that's what, what they were missing. They were missing out. And I'm just trying to imagine like, like, the, like Letterman jackets. I'm trying to <laughs> think about like how would they be designed? Like, would they be a flotation device built in? Would it be Letterman life jackets? Letterman life jackets. I think you're, you're right on target with yeah. that. <laughs> and, and, you know, you'd be the big, big man on campus with, you know, Joe the big bass man well, kind of thing. Here's the question, though. Like, mm-hmm. So people do sports for a couple of reasons. The biggest reason they do sports is to attract – a, a sexual person, a mate. Of some <laughs> I don't want to, like, I wanted, I was going to be sexist and say to get, to get a girl, but like all kinds of people, like That's all true. kinds of people. That's true. So whatever, That's I don't true. care. Has anyone ever in the history of the planet ever been attracted to someone because they can catch a bass? <laughs> like, has it, I don't think it's ever happened. I'm trying to imagine like a scenario, like, <laughs> the dating game <laughs> and like the girl says tell me about your bass fishing and the guy goes well i like to sh- throw a like a uh, hammer squabbler across the water flicking it under the weed beds until the bass explodes and she's That's... like oh my <laughs> oh my oh my Stars i have the, i have the vapors You're giving me the vapors <laughs> <laughs> nobody no no it never ever happens so yeah. like, no attraction to the sport. It's going <laughs> to fail. Yeah, it, it is one of those despite kind of things. So yeah. it's like, hey, you're attractive despite you're a bass fisherman. Right. And the fact that you're going to be going to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon so you can be up at 5 in the morning to go fishing. <laughs> there goes date night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a miracle any fisherman actually finds anybody else. Yeah. So. And, and it, well, if you can, if you can find a partner who enjoys fishing, mm. that's fine. But I'm, there, I'm really thinking competitive fishing. Like this, you don't see, you don't see people in, like saying, oh, you know, what I'm looking to date is like a rich football star. You see that sometimes. No one says, I want to date a professional bass angler. <laughs> now, I mean, you, it's possible. <laughs> you know, you're going to get tons. I, you're going to get tons of comments on that because that those people can make tons of money. They do, but no one really gets it. Yeah, like, like, like if you if you ask a random person who's not a fisher world person doesn't understand fishing as a sport, which is me. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> sports person do you want to date? 
they're going to go down the list of money-making sports. They're going to say, you know, football, baseball. They might say basketball, but basketball is terrible. It's the worst of all sports. Soccer, also a terrible sport. I pretty much are terrible. <laughs> uh, but never, no one's going to say fishing. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you just ruined your whole story. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think Emmanuel this, I think College story- is closing next year, thanks to the Fish Nerds. No longer our sponsor. I think the fighting fish and lions story died a while ago. So anyway, I'm going to stop. That was, that was my fish in the news. What do you well, got? What do I got? Well, I was doing a little homework because I'm a fishing guide, right? Mm-hmm. Although this year I have not been guiding. I haven't done one guided fishing trip this, this season. Wait, say that again. I have not done one guided fishing trip this season. Really? No. Yeah. People are paying me for boat rides, but not for uh. fishing. Which is great because it's really hard to fish and be socially distant. If you're teaching someone to fish, you're touching their hands, you're touching their fishing rods. So it's great. On a boat ride, I sit in a seat and we, I drive the boat and point and stuff and they jump off and then they get back in the boat and we go back to the dock four hours later and they pay me more than they pay for a fishing trip. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's the best. That does sound like the best. It's the best. And, and I'm not pushing for more. Like this year, I'm not doing any marketing. I'm not trying to sell myself because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a crowded boat person. Sure. Uh, but I was thinking about, you know, like, have you ever been on a guided fishing trip? I have not paid for a guy. No, yes, I have. I have. Yes. Yeah. How'd you do? I think the guide did not know what he was doing. And, did, you, uh, did you pay it, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it me? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. It was it was somebody else and college friends came to town and we went on the ocean and uh, yeah, it wasn't a great, I mean, it was a great day. It's hard to have a bad day on the ocean. But. Right. But you want to catch fish, right? Yeah. I don't think yeah. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's me all the time. But so I was kind of doing a little homework here about like, what do, what do, what do guides say to people when they're not doing well? So I found an article here from alwaysagoodday.com. And it, it's called Things That Fly Fishing Guides Say That Clients Hate. So I thought we might go, like down, this that, already. We might go down that list a little bit here today. So Nice. All right. So number one, and these are all quotes that help t- temper a client's expectations, like preparing them for mediocrity, right? <laughs> so here they are. Here, here, oh, so, so this also works for parenting. Yes, exactly. Especially people like me. Uh, (laughs) All right. So here's some, here's a few quotes on that under, (laughs) under the idea of preparing someone for failure. I haven't been here for a while, but I it fished. Okay. Last time I was here. So if you're a client, you're like, why are we here? (laughs) Yesterday was really good. It's too bad (laughs) that water cooled off a little. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've said that. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've said all of these, I think. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been crowded lately. <laughs> so high pressure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you bring the flies on the gear list I sent you? Oh, so you blame the people. Blame the people. By the way, my clients, always, I bring the gear. They don't do that. Now, in yeah, fly, well, maybe, I guess maybe you're it, missing out. I know. Well, I have had a few clients who bring their own bass gear. Uh, on bass trips and they got skunked because they wouldn't do the things that worked where I'm fishing. Mm. And in the fly world, it gets, it's, it's popular to, for fly guys. So they spend, you know, $600 on a fly rod, real combo. 
and get all the flies. They want to bring their own gear. So here's what fly fishing guides say about the client's gear. You would have landed that fish if you had a better reel. <laughs> Insult them. <laughs> yes. I like this. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I've said that about my own reels. <laughs> you would have landed that fish if you had a better reel. <laughs> or that's too much rod for you. Oh, that's I said that to my dig. wife once. <laughs> <That's bad>. uh, <laughs> the blatant upsell do you like my rods you can buy one today for 10% off I think we all know oh. we all know those guys yeah. are owned by uh, <laughs> by the marketing companies and yeah that's totally dicey yeah your waiters are leaking because they're cheap so that's just me <laughs> <laughs> Here's my wow that whole article is yeah based it's, on blame that's it's good. me well that's how we do uh, <laughs> if the fishing is great, we don't say anything. We just catch fish, take pictures. Uh, here's my favorite, though. This is, this is the, the how awesome a guide he or she is section. So, mm. like, I'm on so-and-so's pro staff. So, bragging about your pro staff. Maladida. For the record, I, have, I am not anyone's pro staff. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> here's a fun <laughs> fact about, fly, about any kind of fishing guide, Dave. Mm. All of them are sponsored none of them will tell you how to get sponsored if you're their friend. Like they just know what it's a secret on how to it's become a, a pro star. It's a super duper secret. Well, yeah. it's like fight club. Yeah. No one talks in, about you it. Know. Yeah. That's they brag what, that's about who role. sponsors them, but they will never tell you how to get the sponsorship. Super no. secret. If I learn though, I'm going to announce it right here on the fish Nerds podcast. I'm, I'm like the guy who ruins magic tricks. <laughs> you are, you are that guy. Yeah. No one fishes this spot by me, but me. <laughs> well, like it's or by you by me yeah no i, I shoot him <laughs> uh you should follow me on instagram i might have said that <laughs> oh nice yeah but but i've had clients who've hired me and i would give them some choice of where to go and they would ask the question where's the best spot for instagram pictures really so, yeah i've been asked that three times Wow. Well, you get these people coming from, from a city who want to go fishing. Yeah. More what they want is to show pictures on Instagram that they went fishing. So mm -hmm. they want the good pictures. So I, I have a business idea. Yeah. Maybe I should just be a Photoshop person for fishing guides. And, you know, part of the deal is I can Photoshop a client, Photoshop their Instagram. Well, that's a great. So, so the client leaves a bad Yelp review for me because they got skunked. Mm. And I'll sneak a photo of them earlier than the day before the bad review happened, send it to you. And I'll post under it, what the hell are you talking about? Look at the size of this fish. These guys are just ungrateful dicks. <laughs> That's perfect. Or count counter, uh -huh. I can doctor the picture and, uh, you know, they could be holding some Collins perch small thing. <laughs> perfect. And you, could and you could blackmail them. Yes, I'm going to tell everybody you caught a Collins perch. <laughs> Ruin them forever. <laughs> and, and the worst thing a guy can say to a client is, you should have been here yesterday. Mm. Yeah. FOMO. FOMO, yeah. I always tell them they picked the very best day they could. Like, what a great day you picked. If they get skunked, it's because, you know, they fished with me. <laughs> <laughs> they should know better. I, I don't advertise myself as good at this. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Anyone who does any research on fishing on Silver Lake 
with me knows I run the hashtag suck at Silver Lake for a reason. And so yeah. if they choose to come out with me, they get what they paid for. They get a really good boat ride. They're going to laugh a lot. They're going to have a lot of fun. And they're going to catch some fish. But the, <laughs> this is the worst ad ever. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, it is going to be okay, and you you should actually try to run this ad in the um, Las Vegas market because that sounds like a profile of somebody addicted to Las Vegas. Right? What's it? What, what, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a great time. It's all going to, but you're you're going to lose. You're going to lose. <laughs> you're going to be okay though. Yep, you're going to be yeah. okay. You're going to think you might win. Yeah, and you're you're going to be all in. Yep, you're going to play the odds. You're going to work really hard. You're going to give me your money very slowly over time. <laughs> but you're going to lose. But you're going to lose. You've already lost, by the way. You've walked in the door. <laughs> Welcome to Silver Lake. <laughs> That's the news, Dave. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. Next on the pod, we're going to Berlin. Here's Burgess Trading Post. In Berlin, New Hampshire. Check one, two. All right, friends. Clay Gross, fishnerds.com in Berlin, New Hampshire. And I'm happy to be just driving through something else. And I came across Burgie's trading post. It was a friend of the podcast. I'm going to surprise attack them with a quick interview here. Not attack, just surprise visit. Burgie's trading post, bait and tackle, providing the tools to bring you back to nature. Handmade fishing rods, fly spoons, inline spinners. I hope they're here. Mask is on. Jonathan! What's going on? How's it going? It's all good. Not much. I happen to be driving in town. Thought I'd come stop in and uh, buy some stuff from you. And maybe grab you for a quick interview. Could I come back in five minutes? I just yeah. have to get my wife from and bring her to work? I don't want to talk to your wife. No. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Okay, so my timing was a little poor. He had to... Johnny, John, Johnny, I want to say Johnny Burgie. Jonathan had to run out and pick his wife up from work. He'll be back in a few minutes, and I will grab a quick interview with him. I don't have a lot of time, and I'm going to buy some crap, too. But uh, Burgie's Trading Posts, and uh, he's doing a little good little business here. I'm excited for him. But, yeah, Berlin, New Hampshire old mill town up here in the middle of nowhere and he's happy to be driving by so it's kind of cool morning how you doing today Clay? super good to see you in real life i've seen you online a lot it's been really really cool and tim beat's been buying and using your gear and convinced me i need to come up here and find it yeah i have no excuses for that i i saw tim and i was like he's got money we're gonna just send him everything we can <laughs> you just take their money give me your money <laughs> so jonathan kind of run down which, what's your most thing, thing you're most excited about? And you do custom rods, you wanna talk about that? Yeah, we make uh, custom rods here. We're starting to get into the fly rod market now, um, but we were making some light rods, ultra light rods. Um, and now we're starting to get into the bass fishing and more of the fly fishing rod market. Um, just trying to capitalize on a little bit of tourism as it comes through a small town like here. Um, so everything's an adventure. Everything's built by hand, it's all hand threaded. There's no stickers on anything. Um, all the cork is all reamed out by hand, as you can see, like this one here. We get it off the lathe, and then I'll drill it out to size. And, um, we static deflect everything. We find the spine on the rod to make sure it's true and it casts straight. Um, and have you been 
you know, how's your orders coming in? Are you, are you busy with them? I'm probably four rods behind right now. And what does behind mean? How long does it take you to turn a rod around? Uh, a rod usually takes me several days just to make sure I'm doing it right and, uh, and it has a proper quality. We're just really waiting on warehouses to stock up and to be fully staffed so they can send us the supplies we need. Yeah, because I was in Walmart the other day and they are barren. There is nothing available. So you have some advantage here because you have stuff in stock. I'm looking at your soft plastic specifically. I know that Tim's been doing really well with them, and I'm going to grab a handful before I leave today because the variety of soft plastics you sell, I've not seen in any store anywhere else. It's kind of remarkable. Well, the good thing about that is we don't have to order it from anywhere. We, we make it right here in-house. We have all our molds CNC'd. Uh, we put our name in, inside some of the molds so you can see that you're using our plastics. I can make it sinking, floating, jerkbait, finesse. Um, we can do whatever colors you want. You can add whatever sparkle or flake you want to it, pearlescence. Um, so we can even do split colors. It's just a little more time consuming, so that's why we don't see many of them on the floor right now. We need to talk about a fishner specific soft plastic. I'm game. Uh, because we have, well, I like our colors. I think orange and yellow and black are great fishing colors. I think we can definitely come up with a, like a little trout kit Yeah. and, and do those colors. And uh, I think it would be very marketable. Yeah, and so how has the town been? You've been open just a short time, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I'm a ranger with the state of New Hampshire, and I've had a step down from my role. I was doing this out of my living room until my wife kicked me out of my living room so she can watch TV again. It's probably smart. Yeah, I um, <laughs> was doing this here, and it was just supposed to be a little hobby shop, and then word of mouth got around, friends were bringing friends, and it got to the point where I was making more money here than I was with the state. Um, but of course, I'm just reinvesting it back into the business to grow it. And the people here have been unreal. Even during the whole COVID-19, we were doing you know, curbside bait deliveries. Um, you know, then people started to get a little more comfortable, started walking in the door, ordering rods, seeing what we could do. Um, it's kind of like walking into a pizzeria sometimes where you can see the person behind the counter tossing the dough in the air. And it doesn't do anything to make it taste better, but it gives you that, that feeling like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And it makes memories. Yeah, and it's for real. Like you're, you're a real person. We're not supporting some giant corporation. Although we wouldn't mind if you became a giant corporation, we would still support you. Um, I want to say congratulations because it's pretty amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, we're trying to just keep everything low key. We want to bring back that ma-pa style feeling to bait and tackle shops, make things here. Um, you know, it's not instant gratification, but it's, it's knowing that something was made for you, you know, so you can get a rod that's customized for you. And we hope it's a keepsake that you pass down generation to generation. And how can people find your stuff? Right now, that's super hard. Um, <laughs> well, we've been going the complete opposite way of all the big chains, just because we do want to stay true to the mob pa feeling. Um, we are only on social media like Facebook or Instagram. You're doing so much Instagram, like so much. We, we try, um, and, and, and a lot of it I still need to put up. Uh, we have video upon video upon video of us just going out and fishing with the GoPros, and uh, it, I, I wish I had more time to edit. I just I can't even keep up with orders we have. Yeah, but if you're making money selling your plastics and selling your equipment and your gear, you don't want to spend time editing video for, for <laughs> yeah. Instagram. You, if you're already making the money, you can waste your time doing that, and it's not going to make you more money. So you got to focus on supporting yourself, your family, your business, all those things. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to grow in the future, but we, we, we want to keep things within means, within reason. 
and be true to ourselves. We don't want to lose that path. We want to make sure every rod is still made by hand. We want to make sure every bait is still poured by hand. Every inline spinner is turned by hand and customers can see it when they come in. They can see us painting lures. They, we, we want to keep it genuine. Right, and you've got this nice little shop here and it's very small. My guess is the size of shop keeps your overhead relatively low so you can afford to keep the business going. That makes it sustainable all by itself. Well, that was key from being kicked out of my living room to finding a place that was within range. Yeah. So it was only supposed to be a hobby shop and I'm trying to utilize every square foot I can in this building. Um, eventually we're gonna have a shiner tank and smelt tank put out back, um, but it's hard to get the electricians to come out where they're just getting caught up again right now. Um, but it's great, the community here is great. They've been super supportive. Um, you know, they saw it as, you know, someone's investing in our town that, you know, everyone's given up on. So they've, they've come out here and they've told all their friends and, you know, I, I'm just disappointed because I wish it was more you could see on the walls. It's pretty barren right now, but that's because they've been super supportive and have bought every rod we've made, every bait we've put up. Um, you know, there's blank spots everywhere. Awesome. So yeah, I can't thank them enough. Awesome. Well, that's great. This is Burgie's Trading Post, and we'll put links up at fishnerds.com, and we'll do Instagram for you because I know you love Instagram so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Big thanks to our effing essayist, Tim Beat, for his uh, insights into his uh, writing world there. Crappy Hippie, our tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas. Happy to have you here as always. Pond Lady, great to see you too. So you can go to crappyhippie.com to get your glass water angling gear. You can also go to robesonwildlife.com to find out how you can meet Amy Robeson and get some pond information. And you can find Burgie's Trading Post on Instagram and Facebook. And we big fat thanks to Wally Pleasant for our opening theme music, Diane's Bath Salts for our uh, <laughs> our Fish in the News and for our Fish Sex Music. We're not supposed to say the name of the writer of that uh, anymore because he uh, he's a listener. Hello. You know who you are. Thank you so much for that. Um, I can't remember why. I can't remember why he told me not to say his name, but anyway, I appreciate it anyway. So next week, back in the pod. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early and often, never trust a free lunch with strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the hell of it! Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.